0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another Survival Show podcast with your host here, Craig Cuddle, doing a step into the manly musing segment. So man, I thought I had a heavy subject one of the last times I got together with you all, and I've got an even heavier subject to chat with you about today. For those that follow me personally and follow Nature Reliance School, uh, you may have known that I do some training with uh, federal law enforcement at different times. And one of the things that I did a few years ago was I went through the process to become a InfraGuard FBI partner. And th- basically what that allows me to do, and you have to go through a f- very significant vetting and background check to be able to be involved in this program. Okay. Like really involved, heavily involved background check. It was kind of It's kind of like it felt like I, I don't know, I needed to, I don't know, felt like I'd been violated a bit. But anyway, uh, it was good stuff. Uh, They're just trying to make sure they don't uh, do anything that they don't need to with uh, people they don't need to pass information on to. So so what this allows me to do is I get to get, basically I get several emails a day, 5 to 10, 20 sometimes on different items that are happening in our world that are worthy of consideration. Some of these Actually, most of these have to do with hacking and and threats and stuff of that nature, and a lot of it is is just security threats along a, a wide range of different uh, different industries and stuff of that nature. Now, the information that I get by being part of that, none of the, nothing that I get is classified. Okay, it's not classified information, but it's not necessarily information that you're going to see in the nightly news. Because there's so many threats, and let me tell you, there are a lot of threats, a lot of threats that just absolutely, positively, kind of are concerning to me that will that just never make it to the news. And I'm looking at it going, why is this not news? Wow! And this this thing that I'm going to be talking about today is is such a big issue that I had to do a podcast on it and share it here on the Survival podcast because, as far as personal and National security, this is something that, again, I don't have any privileged information. I don't have that. Uh, but what I do have is information. And one of the things that we're um, – it's it's somewhat told to do is to share this information as best we can. But, again, I want to emphasize I'm not in the FBI. I don't have any uh, special agent status or anything of that nature. I just am a, a guy who goes to a quarterly meeting and – at those quarterly meetings, we get briefed on different security measures and stuff of that nature that that may pertain to different businesses. And, uh, and again, because I've done some, particularly some survival and man tracking training with the FBI uh, SWAT teams here locally as well as out of state uh, assisting other instructors, then uh, I, I get an opportunity to uh, get this information and, 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 again, be part of this organization called InfraGuard. Now, with that said, The topic of discussion at our last meeting was, was on several fronts, but there were two, two things that were interesting to me. Number one, we got briefed on the Eric Kahn case, which was a, a case where uh, a lawyer was basically robbing the social security administration of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's not what I wanted to talk about today. What I want to talk about today was the other brief that we got that which was on the topic of bioeconomy. And I'll be frank, when I got the agenda before the meeting, I thought, man, that's going to be boring as crap. It just didn't sound like something that I would find interesting at all. And it turned out to be one of the most interesting subjects that i would heard anybody speak on in a considerable long time. And the gentleman that spoke to us was an FBI agent by the name of Edward U. That's Y-O-U. You can do a Google search on him and you'll find him in all kinds of different places. If you do an, a Google search on Edward U. bioeconomy, then you're going to get a host of different references to this information. Again, this is, it's, it's not classified. It's open source information, but uh, I thought it was important enough to bring attention to it to do this podcast. Now, basically, to try to build a foundation of what Mr. U was talking about was it, it, for the most part, it starts with the idea of, um, human genome sequencing, sequencing of DNA. And, you know, a decade ago to be able to do this would take a considerable amount of time. And now with modern technology that can be done within 24 hours. Um, It used to take, you know, maybe months and months to do that a decade ago. And now you can do this with 24 hours due to technology. Now, here is where it gets really concerning. And I'm going to talk a little bit about politics. I don't like to, again, I've mentioned this other day, I don't like to talk about politics often unless it is worthy of discussion. I think it's worthy of discussion, particularly as it pertains to the upcoming presidential election. And so I'm not going to recommend that anybody vote for anybody, but I am going to present some information I think is worthy of your consideration when you vote, that's for sure. So what's going on is that China owns about 80% of the firms that do DNA sequencing that, throughout the world, and that's a lot. <laughs> 80% is a lot, you all, a whole lot. Now, you might say, why is that important at all? I don't really get why that is, has anything to do with me or why it's important or anything of that nature. So basically what DNA sequencing allows uh, industries or research facilities or companies or countries, for that matter, to do is it gives them a very good understanding of the genetic markers within a person or a group of people's DNA that could lend itself to healing Very serious conditions, for example, because it's you know it's it's important to me. They may be able to find an actual cure for type one diabetes, for example, and be able to fix that with you know a surgery or a pill or or some sort of uh, pharmaceutical. You know, and they could do that for. um, They might be able to do that for uh, Down syndrome before a child is born, and they may be able to see that that's a possibility or they may be able to find the genetic markers that kick off cancer or any number of things. And so DNA research is a pretty interesting field of study. That's been going for quite a long time, obviously, but the fact that our technology has advanced so much in the last decade, companies can now more readily find this, you know, these data pieces and be able to determine these things. Now, Here's where it starts to get really interesting, in my opinion. To be able to do that well, they have to have a large sample base, meaning they have to have a considerable amount of people that it is these biological samples that are interesting. Two things come to mind here that came out of our presentation that was delivered to us by uh, Special Agent U And that is, here's how China utilized this in their own country. So they they went through their country and they offered a physicals for all model where they said anybody and everybody could come in free of charge and get a physical. And one of the things that they did while they did this physical is they took blood samples and then they did DNA sequencing on all of that particular blood sample. So now they achieved one of the things they needed, which was a large amount of sampling. But if you can imagine, they only got samples from people within their own company, I mean country. So think about this. One of the ways they utilized this was that they knew that certain, uh, and I don't really exactly know how this works, but they could tell the genetic markers of a certain, uh, certain number of people that were in a Western China who were of of uh, a religious sect that they knew only lived in a certain part of China. And that DNA sequence was an indicator. The markers in that DNA sequence indicated those people were there. And they promptly went about arresting and putting into re-education camps the people that lived there. Now that's China, and that's how they do things, right? They do things in a much different way than we do them here. They don't have HIPAA, uh, Healthcare Information Protection Acts and stuff of that nature. And so why does that matter to us? You know, China's doing its own thing. Why does it matter to us? Well, here's why. Again, they own 80% of the sequencing firms in the world. So if a hospital right here in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, for example, wants to do DNA sequencing and send it off to a firm to do that, 80% of the time, one of the firms they're going to send it off to is of Chinese ownership. So you may ask, you know, some of these China. I mean, when you get into these companies, are they, you know, certain, certain Chinese company? No, they, they're they very, the companies that Mr. Yu listed out for us are companies that, Many of you have heard of, and I I didn't even list them all because it, it doesn't matter. The issue is that some of those companies have just regular English names that sound harmless, but it's actually owned by the Chinese. And the Chinese, because they are not beholden to the same standards that we are, they are accumulating vast amounts of DNA information on Americans. Now, You say, well, I actually don't know what you would say. This kind of blew me away, okay? Now, here's where this gets really to be a very sticky widget, is that here's an example of how access to the information can be problematic. There's a China DNA sequencing firm that was accredited by the College of American Pathologists. So the College of American Pathologists said, hey, this this DNA sequencing firm over here, they're good at what they do. And as a result of this, the California, the state of California is now exporting patient samples to that firm for diagnostic processing. And that same company can store and transfer health information. Now, here in America, that is very strictly regulated, again, through the, the uh, HIPAA Act, the Health Information Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA. That's the document that when you go, if you go to the doctor or the hospital and you have to sign uh, something that says that you understand that things fall under the HIPAA Act, that's what you're signing. That's what it's about. And what that does is it protects your patient information so that not just anybody can go around talking about it and doing whatever. It prevents it from being shared without your consent. Not just anybody can have it. So with that said, what this means is China is on the ability to go about sequencing DNA, gathering information on Americans throughout the country, not just in California, and utilize that information basically any way that they want to. And there's nothing that we can do about it because we are willingly giving them our blood when we go to the doctor and we don't know who's actually doing any some sort of the testing. Very interesting indeed, I believe. Something to consider. Now, here's where this gets a little bit political. And again, I do everything I can to avoid political stuff unless it just needs to be said. So in 2016, uh, when, when President Obama was still in office, there was an, an investment made by his uh, administration that went into uh, the study of precision, what's, what's referred to as PMI, Precision Medical Initiative, which means that they're putting $215 million. That was the Obama administration. When I say the Obama administration, basically you and I, and our tax dollars went into an investment to study Precision Medical Initiative, which is basically this DNA sequencing. Okay. Now, this is where I'm going to make it a little bit political. That's $215 million, with an M, million dollars. This is around the same time that he sent $5 billion to Iran in cash. That's in cash, $5 billion to Iran at the same time here's what china did china announced that they were going to do the same thing and invest money into this initiative this idea and they were going to put in around 9.2 billion dollars over 15 years so they again let's let's say this again as far as investing money into The idea of DNA sequencing and studying genetic markers and whatnot, China dedicated $9.2 billion, whereas the United States put in $215 million. That's million. So significantly less. We did not, under that administration, determine that that was an important enough thing for us to get involved with. Well, the obvious question is, why does that matter and what can we do about it? Actually, there's not a whole lot we can do about it unless we know that this sort of issue is a problem. And we contact our elected representatives to tell them that we do not want our medical data being sold or sent to China for study because... You know, we're basically leaving it up to China to be honest, and when they've already proven that utilizing this information they'll use against they used it against Muslims in China, what's to keep them from at some point in time using it just against Americans in general or Christians in America? Or they use it against any number of different entities. Again, I don't really know how the genetic markers work. I just know that from the data that Mr. Yu gave us, China has already done this against Muslims in their country. And I'm not a big fan of of uh, Islam and what it has done to the world. I just don't see that it's had a great positive effect to the world. With that said, I do not like it that a country has determined that a religion is a problem and then they put those people in a re-education camp. That is a problem for me. Now, secondly, Here's the second part that is along the same lines, which is bioeconomy, but is a very different subject matter. China, at the same time, has invested uh, considerable monies and very similar monies into basically technology and agriculture, the, techno- uh, the use of technology and agriculture. So if you're not familiar, some of the large farming organizations throughout the world now Farms, big farms like humongous farms. They have GPS units and computers on tractors now and on equipment such that, let's say, for example, that you're going to plant 3,000 acres of soybeans, for example. And obviously, if you're planting 3,000 acres of soybeans, you don't want to waste the soybeans. You don't want to plant the soybeans on ground that are not going to produce. And you don't want to use fertilizer on an area where the ground's already fertile enough and on and on and on. So a lot of what happens is that on these large farming operations, the technology, the GPS technology that is on there will monitor how much fertilizer is put out on a certain section. And it utilizes that at harvest time to know, okay, this area needs more fertilizer next year, or this area has has not grown uh, good soybeans for the last three years. We need to do some soil sampling on it to determine this area and know, is there anything we can do with it? And if there's nothing we can do with it, then we need to plant elsewhere. Okay. So we're not wasting, because basically think about it in 3000 acres, let's say there's 200 acres there that didn't grow soybeans very well. And let's say it's just something in the soil that's problematic and no amount of fertilizer is going to change that. Then there's several hundred acres of beans that we put out that we paid for that we're not going to get any return for. And so that's a problem. Well, China has determined that they are going to invest in those types of technologies and even more in like a considerable amount, like 10 times the amount what we here in the United States are doing. Now, what they also have, because they have the ability, that information, if it's captured, can then go to China as well, meaning China By owning the technology for these agricultural pieces of equipment, this GPS technology and what have you, when that information gets uploaded into a cloud or what have you, China can access that information because their technology can send it to China very easily. And China then has all the information it needs to grow crops here in America. It knows exactly where to grow stuff. It knows where stuff doesn't grow. And... So on and so on. So again, the question begs to be asked, what do we do about it? And I really don't know if there's anything that we can do about it other than somebody like me needs to be able to make people aware of what's going on so that we can at least get involved. So the question the question is on a national level for our federal government here in the United States of America, what are we doing? Okay. Well, one of the maps that Mr. Yu sh- shared was that due to different things happening in the world, there's been a considerable interest into biomass technologies for the use in fuel. Uh, central areas throughout the world, particularly in South America, there was an area in uh, there was an area in Africa, and there were. An, uh, were an area around and I didn't really understand the map real well. Cause I couldn't see it that well from my position, but there was an also some areas like South of China that also had uh, heavy amounts of the ability to have biomass. And what I mean by that is that these are basically like, you can imagine areas where there's jungle areas where there's so much, um, herbaceous and woody stem plants and what have you, that there's a considerable opportunity there to do the things that you will be able to do with biomass. And that's an emerging technology that again, I'm not real familiar with, so but I can't speak to it. But what Agent U, Special Agent U was real clear about is that that is something that nations are spending a lot of time, effort, and research studying. And I can tell you from experience, the University of Kentucky here in my Commonwealth of Kentucky, is doing exactly that as well. Because I just went through master naturalist training and got a host of this information coming back at me and how they're doing exactly that. And so it's interesting to be able to see it at the local level and then see it on this, this worldwide level as well. So why am I talking about that? Well, the reason I'm talking about that is that these areas are areas that, will be deriving a lot of our fuels in the future and because of that we need to be able to have a significant understanding of where those are so that we can have control over our fuels if we have the ability to do that because when you looked at the map of the United States of America there were very small tiny sections of it that had this opportunity And we, as a nation, just don't have the ability to do that. Okay. Now, what he did was he then, Agent Yu, he then said, all right, I'm going to show you a map of where China is investing heavily in other countries through uh, cover companies and other companies that, you know, are openly that they fund. And because of that, it's something that we should consider understanding. And when he transposed that areas, those areas where China was heavily involved in biomass understanding and research and study, it was exactly in those same areas. So think about it from a northern South America aspect. There's a large section of area there that's ripe for this kind of state. It's one of the most ripe places and most rich places for this type of technology. That is going to be one of the areas in the world, and I don't understand the timeline for this, where biomass fuels are going to be coming from. Okay, Now, do we have any control over that? No. China has control over everything in the area, and every one of the areas throughout the world where biomass is an emerging study and research, China is there investing and getting In at the early stages now to be able to control it any way that they see fit. Now, with that said, in the here and now, in December of 2019, what's being done? President Trump has already set some dates for the first, what's being referred to as the first bioeconomy summit. There have been others, not Special Agent U, but there have been others that have briefed President Trump on this emerging threat for our nation and Trump is incredibly interested in it and said, Hey, let's do a summit. Let's get the people that know what they're talking about. Let's get them together. Let's put them in the room and let's start putting a plan together to either expand upon what we already know about the bioeconomy and how we can secure our security. If, if, with no other uh, better way to say it just make sure that we're secure and that we're taking care of ourselves as a nation as well as look at this DNA sequencing issue and see how much other nations or other countries or other entities and businesses have access to our healthcare information he is doing something Uh, he wants a considerable amount of our money invested in that. And that's what they're doing the summit for is to go, okay, we need to invest this. We need to do that. And this is an incredibly large emerging threat to our national security. And because of it, he's doing something about it. And again, I'm not saying Trump didn't do anything about it. Or I mean, I'm not saying Obama didn't do anything about it. And Trump's taking care of it. What I'm saying is that from the from this special agent's perspective, there's not been much done about it in our country at all. And we've basically taken a back seat. Basically, we're not even in the back seat, we're in the back of the truck, and China's driving. And so that's something that we need to take care of and do something about. So yeah, this has really stepped out away from my normal topic on survival. But as I look at it as a national security threat, this down the road can be a considerable threat to our very survivability and and validity as a nation. And so it's something that we need to consider. And for those that pray, then pray about it, obviously. For those that get involved in the political process, get involved in the political process. And those that don't get involved in the political process, get involved in the political process. Your voice needs to be heard. Again, here's what I'm going to recommend for you, so you don't think it's just me throwing out some sort of conspiracy theories or something. Go on to Google, do a Google search for Edward U. That's Y O U. Edward U. And do a Google search on Edward U. Bioeconomy. You're going to have several, several. I did. I've done this two or three times, making sure I had the right information for this podcast. And there's several dozen links to where he's spoken about this topic. You'll see some of, uh, actually you can see some, uh, presentations, not him on video, but you can actually see him, his presentation PowerPoint as well as him speaking on the subject. He's obviously much more articulated on this subject than I am. Uh, he's a special agent for the FBI, but he used to work in a lab. And if I understand things, uh, properly he he basically started off with the FBI looking at uh, bioterrorism from the perspective of weapons of mass destruction he came out of or maybe he was recruited out of the lab and was very good at what he's doing in the lab and does what he does now for the FBI to help national security and what he's doing and this new idea of bioeconomy which is a word I'd never heard I don't know if uh, he or people like him came up with it, but it was an interesting subject matter that, uh, that I think was worthy of a podcast and I'm glad you stuck with me. So, yeah, thanks for joining me on this heavy subject. Um, I can go ahead and tell you, this is one of many, 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 many threats like this. Uh, if you have a business that does business with the FBI, then I would highly recommend you get involved with the InfraGuard program. That way you can get updates like I do. If you're not in the business of working with them, then maybe it's worth your time. Maybe it's not. I don't even know how that works. Even if you can get in, I really don't know. But uh, it's one of those things that I think it's um, very, I'm very thankful that I have the opportunity in this platform to share. And if you have any questions, then send them my way at info at naturereliance.org or just send them as a message there on Anchor. And we really appreciate everybody that supports us in that way, shape, or form. Don't forget, sponsor for the podcast is Tiny Survival. Check it out, tinysurvival.com. Thanks for listening. As always, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.